Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perception Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Partridge. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to be once again talking to award-winning therapist and trauma specialist Sally Baker. In light of the recent allegations against Russell Brand, Sally and I discuss the power of the media in shaping our perceptions of survivor and perpetrator, and how women especially are judged in the public arena. We explore the elevated sense of self that can emerge with celebrity and look at the acquisition of power as a tool of control. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Hello, Sally, and welcome back to the Perception Podcast. It's fantastic to see you again. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, So today... What I really wanted to talk to you about in in this episode, in light of the um, alleged allegations uh, concerning Russell Brand, I really wanted to look at, because we've talked previously about the media Mm -hmm. and the power that the media has in, um, in, in, I suppose, uh, moulding our perception of the facts Yes, perceived facts. Yeah. Yeah, of the perceived facts. So I kind of wanted to talk, I kind of wanted to look at that, you know, trial by media um, with reference to brand. And also, we have also previously talked about Harry and Meghan and how they have been, how people have responded to media reports. Because it seems to me that, um, well, people make decisions based on emotion. And any facts, any fact, whether they're true or false, become immaterial because our emotions are so powerful and, and obviously what we're triggered by. And um, and the media are so powerful in, in, in focusing a lens on particular aspects of a story. Yes. So we don't really, and whatever motivations that they have with that story. So I just really wanted your your expert kind of outlook mm. uh, um, on what's going on and what you think are the some of the factors here that are really important when we're looking at how we view, how we perceive stories in the media, how yeah. we perceive what's the truth and what is illusion, and how our perceptions are are. Uh, the manipulated. media have always had a role to play in gossip, back to kind of the days of Victorian times of penny dreadfuls and gossip sheets. But this is this is brand new, and we're having to wade through and make n- new um, mental connections and new coping strategies for the twenty four seven multi platformed approach that we're living with now. Mm. now. It's everywhere. So when the media takes it against. Megan and Harry, and it's almost like they built her up. I mean, even Diana, you know, got lots of flack when she eventually got divorced from Prince Charles and started to have boyfriends of her own. The undercurrents were there, mm. uh, and the kind of public um, outcry about her behaviour was there. So, but and when the media now takes against someone, you can't turn on your phone, you can't look at Instagram, you can't go on Twitter without loads of comments about this stuff Mm. and they seem to be i mean what i've observed and what i've noticed is that 
they seem to be coming from one direction. It's always will dredge up some information or some or some clip of something that was confrontational with another celebrity in inverted commas yeah. or something that shows that person in a particularly unfavorable light yeah it's almost it's almost as though you're guilty and before you're proven innocent you know and and the media is so powerful in in influencing us, I suppose. The media is powerful as the spark, and then it just gets behind it, a tribe of people. So there's a really well-known Scottish comedian, a woman who 13 years ago made uh, an ill-judged comment on Twitter. And it they saw, I mean, whoever got behind this, whoever had it against her, used it as a way to get her cancelled. So what we're looking at is cancel mm. culture, aren't we? Mm. Well, yeah, you see it. You see it everywhere. I mean, I was at Roseanne Barr. Um, yeah. Who? Sorry, dangerous. J.K. Rowling. Oh, oh, yeah, dangerous yeah. extent. Yeah, uh, and and it's almost we can't. It's almost you can't say anything that. Uh, I mean, I'm not defending kind of outrageous comments. However, people do have freedom of speech don't they it's like yeah. and things i think a lot of the time are taken out of context i mean the the most recent thing i think is um amanda abington who's on strictly there's been a bit of a backlash because she made uh, a comment about uh, a drag uh show for kids or, right. or kids were present uh at this uh drag show which she thought there was inappropriate uh activity yeah. Uh, occurring during this show, and sh- there was such an incredible backlash against her, and this, oh. and things were taken out of context. And I think it's this thing, isn't it, where people immediately seize on a soundbite yes. without hearing the the whole of the context, uh, without knowing the context. Because a lot of <laughs> a lot of these people who are suffering, a lot of these people who are being hit. Upon, uh, I mean, we know uh, we know about the new alleged allegations against Russell Brand, but a lot of the people who are targeted are women. It's another layer of misogyny, and it feels like women are not allowed to speak their truth anymore. And if their truth is uncomfortable for other people, then they are hit with an enormous amount of threats, you know, trolling, uh, attempts to discredit them, and. It's terrifying for women, and they have to be really careful what they say. So here we are in 2023, and we're worried about what women are worried about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like progress? No, it doesn't feel like progress at all. And with with regards to what's going on with brand at the moment, and in terms of the way that that story has been, uh, I suppose, reported on, You've talked about how victims respond to the way that things are reported. Yes. Um, how are the, so how- I've been contacted by lots of people I've worked with over the years who um, are survivors of all sorts of abuse and rape and sexual assault. And they've been hugely triggered and distressed by how it looks. So women have come forward 
and they've they've said you know they're anonymous and all this and played but sometimes they're not even the ones on camera they're being played by actors which is all different constructs that I don't fully understand we, we don't fully understand uh why it had to be like that but we do know it's very difficult for women to disclose and they have disclosed and it's been hit with various camps so that there's the the pro brand camp who and who are seeing it as a conspiracy and there are the very many there's very many smoke and mirrors involved with this because it it's um, a useful Tory agenda against the BBC. It's useful way to undermine Brand, who has you know a huge media following now and mm-hmm. is a, is a power and is a force to be reckoned with in in his own right. I mean, so lots of different conspiracy theories are coming up. But what we have is the clear paradigm of women have reported and made allegations against a person and it's been and they have been discredited and they have been victim blamed they people on social media have said well why didn't they come forward at the time or why didn't they go to their boss or why did they go to his house it's harvey weinstein all over again why did you go to his hotel room because you you're at work and you thought it was okay Mm. and I, i won't have this victim blaming where women are berated for for struggling to tell their truth, mm. truth to power. It's not easy, and it's not easy in the media industry. And it's and it's the power imbalance between men and women in the media industry is still really prevalent. Mm. Because you've worked in the media for yeah, you worked in the media years. twenty odd years. Yeah, exactly. And you were just telling me anecdotally earlier about how uh, the runners were. Production companies, it was quite mm. a standard operation. This would be in the 80s, early 90s. So not that, lo- not that not long that long ago. ago. Production companies would have an open audition for runners. Runners are the, you know, it's the way in, but you're probably already already a graduate at, in film to, and you're applying for the lowest rung on the ladder. Mm. Um, and they would be auditioned at... Um, a dance studio in Covent Garden, for instance, that happened quite regularly, because it's not going to be done on skill. We're not going. No one ever looks at their showreel. You know, at the final year in film school, you make a film, mm. short film. I don't remember ever seeing. I used to interview as well. I don't remember ever seeing or wanting to watch any students' short film. I don't remember anyone ever watching a student's short film. That's damning, isn't it? Mm. It would be. If you had an interesting name, there's always they have the most exotic names in the industry, and and how you look, yeah. So, so it was based on the cute factor, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if somebody was cute, they'd get the job. So more we likely, somebody. more likely. And then there are other other layers of of um, confinement and prejudice too. The the salary, the starting salary is so low. Don't mm. bother coming down from Manchester or Birmingham or Nottingham to apply because there's no way you'll ever be able to pay your rent. So really yeah. what you're looking at is home counters, trustafarians, people still living at home or people supported by their parents. So it's it's not only sexist, it's classist. And they're all layers of discrimination. Mm. Plus, the yeah. race, plus uh, disabled people. I never saw anyone disabled in the film industry. I very rarely saw anyone who was black working in the film industry. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad to be out of it, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's so, yeah, 
I'm just thinking now, <laughs> you know, if I look around at cast and crews, yeah. uh, there is more diversity, I would say. But in terms of disability, I can't really think of seeing anyone who, uh, yeah, see who it's has a disability. A, it's good that there's a bigger awareness and a push for more inclusivity. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think on features, I don't know, I've got friends who still work in features. I think it's very difficult. Yeah. And it's still very precious a bubble type environment yeah and so, yeah and um to go and also to go back to uh the reporting and you were talking about the the victims that's well, being triggered her, yeah so i'm a survivor of of childhood sexual abuse and i don't like to be called a victim so i'm ah, I prefer, survivor yes survivor i prefer for me and when i talk about people i've worked with that we've survived. We've survived a lot of shit. And so we're survivors of stuff. Um, yeah. And what happens in the judiciary, because the ju- the judiciary isn't trauma-informed and the police aren't trauma-informed necessarily, is that when a survivor does present um, and reports what's happened to them, they are seen as unreliable witnesses because they often are confused about dates or times or locations and they'll be they might well remember minuscule um minuscule little pointers and events attached to their trauma like what color socks they were wearing or what what kind of wallpaper it was or, uh, you know, really odd, sort of random. They will, will remember very clearly random attachments and incidences to do with their trauma, but they might get the date wrong or they might get the location wrong. And the, the police and the judiciary think then, well, you're an unreliable witness. What else do you get wrong? Have you got this wrong? Are you misreporting? Are you making this up? But what it is, is that inability to be really precise or have really precise memory and recall is a trauma response. It's your subconscious mind trying to protect you from what happened to you. Mm-hmm. So it's not unusual. It's really not unusual to be confused about a series of events, times, locations, and all the rest of it. And do you think that the survivors from the uh, that the alleged brand uh um I don't know incidents yeah uh have been have been discredited do you think that there's already that kind of that's occurring or do you think I think in the it's happening because they're already you know there's a knee jerk especially um brand fans are saying well, it don't even have to be a, a fan of uh, Russell Brand. There's just like a knee-jerk, punching-down response where where the the great British public says, or maybe it's even like the great public worldwide says, oh, why didn't you report it earlier? Why didn't you go to your boss? Harvey Weinstein survivors were told, well, why did you go to his hotel room? You mm. know, why did you go in when you saw him, when he answered the door in his dressing gown? Um, but when you unpick the um, the testimony of the women and the women who escaped, the women who were able to get out of the room, then you it's really it's a fight and flight response. Mm. So along with fight and flight, there's fawn. 
Um, and if you're a woman, often hit by, um, if you're a woman, often facing someone who looks bigger than you, stronger than you, you're not going to fight because mm-hmm. your subconscious mind won't let you. You're not making a conscious decision that says, oh, I'm not going to try and punch him or gouge his eyes out. You will, that won't happen. You will look for exits. And if the flight isn't available, if you're not able to run, then you're going to do fawn. And that's, I mean, you you might just play nice, mm. you know, to persuade someone not to hurt you or hurt you too much or allow you to survive this whole experience. So we have a myriad of responses and women are often usually less physically powerful than the men that we are being attacked by. So, mm-hmm. and women beat themselves up and say, oh, but I didn't fight, you know, and it's very hard for them to forgive themselves. But actually your subconscious mind wouldn't even let you fight. That's the crux of it. People who are outside are asking the uh, survivors about the details of the incident, which, as you say, lots of them will not remember the details. I mean, it's interesting. I've talked to um, uh, uh, a psychologist about memory, and that that will be another uh, upcoming episode. Yeah. And and they're saying that each time you tell a story, yeah. the story changes. Yeah. Because you don't, you know, you don't remember it as it as it was, you're or processing it. You're reprocessing it. Exactly, you're reprocessing it, and so the details will change every time. And if you think that there's a gap of what well, some of these some of these uh, uh, alleged uh, accusations are ten years, there's a gap of ten years. Ten years is not unusual. You know, twenty, thirty, meeting clients in their sixties, disclosing to me for the first time what happened to them when they were six mm. is not unusual. Mm. So it can be decades and decades, which is why with trauma work, and especially around sexual assault, which comes with all sorts of perceived shame, like why did I go in there? Why did I get yeah. in this car and all that stuff? It's really helpful to work content free. So that doesn't mean to say that you never want. To, I never want to hear a client's story. That they're, they're, I'm completely open to sit with them and listen to their narrative. But we're not going to do an EMDR, which with EMDR therapy, which is uh, eye movement desensitizing. It's 10 to 12 sessions quite often, and it's forensically picking over each aspect of the story. Like I went in the door and then I, you know, I was pushed down. And then you mm. work through that aspect till it didn't have an emotional load attached to it. But mm. that process of forensically reliving what you've already survived and had to tell to a number of experts and, you know, uh, people in power over you like police or if you've done that route if you've gone to having to keep doing it then therapeutically often i see clients who say I, I i have failed the emdr process because i couldn't put myself back through it so it's great now we have approaches therapeutic approaches that are content free mm. you know i'm happy to bear witness and sit and and hear the narrative but when we do the work the person who survived that experience, she, or it's often women, it's nine out of 10 or women, mm. she will already know um, what's happened to her, where she's holding the trauma. And so she, that's what we work on, is that 
she can use a metaphor or, or she just ha- holds the memory mm. for a few seconds, 30 seconds. Mm. As we resolve it and release it. So it's mm. not about having to relive it. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it must be, again, it must be pretty traumatizing for the, uh, for the, because people say, oh, well, they're anonymous. These are anonymous uh, uh, survivors. So, again, with what you're saying, that, that there's that there's shame attached to actually disclosing, first of all, the event. Yeah. Um, and then to think, well, then being in the media and then, as you say, all of the backlash that comes from the whole world, <laughs> you know, everyone who has made up their mind without really hearing well, we're not all of there, the... are we? Yeah. We're not there. Yeah. Yeah. We're hearing all of... Talked about um, ways they kept women safe um, with other key people, famous people who allegedly are predators, is um, not to employ female crew. Well, let's not, you know, we won't put any women on this crew. We'll... And then uh, we don't have to worry that women might be, he might be predatory to them. And that's women who've gone through all their training, gone through all their film school, gone, made their, got the job or got jobs, who are being excluded because of someone's potential predatory behaviour. Or we've got this thing where women have to be policed on set so that they're never alone with a potential predator. And we well, are making our lives smaller to mm-hmm. allow a potential predator to have free reign. So so women are getting the short, sticky, shitty end of the stick again. Yeah. And do you think also then that kind of exposes the mentality of the organisations that are employing? I, the, don't, I think it's these... beyond the organisation. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't, those women who got those jobs on in TV working or in radio working on those programs, they were really thrilled to get that work. Mm. And to jeopardize that would be um, a huge, a huge thing for them to have to do. Mm. They wouldn't want to jeopardize it. They, I mean, mm. They've worked really hard for it. They, this is their break. This is their, their, their crack at what they, they, what they wanted to do since they were kids quite likely. Mm. And it, with Harvey Weinstein, it was, it's even more inflated because it's Hollywood and it's so, and the power imbalance then is even more pronounced. Mm. While the power imbalance is so pronounced and so clear, they are, women are not going to find it easy to come forward. They're not. Mm. And do you think, uh, and when I, what I was alluding to a little bit earlier is that with regards to the organization in terms of protecting the the uh individual because you know there were reports of again uh philip schofield for example um and well obviously jimmy savile we know it was kind of an open secret really that he was uh predatory yeah and and it seems that it's like when are the when are the organizations who are who are employing these people when are they going to stop treating the, mm. the these stars in inverted commas as though they're untouchable? Because surely that's part of the 
reason, if they feel that they're untouchable because there's no comeback or no consequence from the people who they're employing, who are employing them. It happens at all levels throughout the industry because the talent exists in a bubble. So the talent Mm. is just incredibly um, cosseted. You know, you can, it's like you, everything you want and it's on your, it's in your contract. And Mm. um, I worked with someone who, um, Nina Simone's contract, Nina Simone's ride of what Nina Simone wanted in her dressing room because she'd had so many years of disrespect in the past. Mm. She had a really complex rider of, of, which went down to the, like the size of the wash hand basin in the in the room because she she'd been treated badly and mm. she wanted to make sure that everything. I mean, not she. She had staff and she had managers and you know that was their job to make sure that the talent was was really protected and, and taken care of. So that happens at very many levels within the media industry, and with that with that level of cosseting becomes a kind of oversensitized ego or a bigger mm. ego because it's it's not reality based and you they say well, so what do you want for lunch today and, and they, oh, i want a tie and it's got to be from this place or i want you know i want this and and, and someone's going to go a runner is going to go and make sure that it's there and it's perfect and it's not just i mean that happens in banking as well when you've got people on the desk whose job it is to trade that make the money anyone who's closeted their job is to be on the phones from seven in the morning, depending on what zones they're covering, until four in the afternoon, making hundreds and thousands of dollars every day. So they're not going to go and get their own sandwich. No. They're going to have loo breaks, and that's comfort breaks. But other than that, there's a runner that's going to pick up their dry cleaning, take their shoes to get their shoes polished, and it, and is also going to go and get whatever they want for lunch. And you know, how arcane and weird it is, burnt toast with seedless raspberry jam happens and someone some young runner on the desk of a trading house is going to have to find this and bring it back and it better be perfect and it's not unusual to be completely kind of shouted at in public and you know um because you you you've got the the young person who's the runner has made the grade and got the job as a runner and they they want to go up the ladder so they're not going to be offended if someone throws mm. the bag of sandwiches at them and said, this isn't what I asked for. Or mm. right. So and that it, happens all the time. And it does seem that really in the, that the, the industry, it is people expect it and people kind of go, well, to go up the ladder, I have to do this. This is yeah. what's, this is what's required of me. And I'm going to have to suck it up and I'm just going to have to, you know, just, just get on with it. If I want to be first AD or yeah. if I want to yeah. be, yeah. You know, uh, production company's ever going to book me before again. You know, the, if the production company's ever going to book me, they, I can't have a reputation that I'm difficult. Mm. And I've had actors turn up to be dressed and and then go into makeup, and um, they haven't showered. These are quite big names. They haven't showered. And they've got dirty underwear on because they are entitled and they're coming from a different place. They behave. They don't behave. Like ordinary civilians, like you and I, they have this. Mm. Someone's going to have to peel off their really pretty rank underwear, <laughs> and they know who these people are, and so they've got clean underwear for them. Or there's underwear that comes with the costume that they're fitting them in. But the kind of the baseline of 
the benchmark of common decency and how to behave, including personal hygiene, goes out the window when you have this elevated sense of who you are, plus the fact you're getting up at four. So you think, well, why should I have a shower before the car comes for me at 4 a.m. for to go mm. into makeup and wardrobe when, um, you know, they can do it. They can wipe me down with a wet cloth. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> These are not unusual stories. These are, they're out there, but this is about power imbalances. And whenever we have power imbalances, it doesn't even need to be in the media. It's in schools. It's in sport. Um, it's everywhere. Wherever we have power imbalances and we have people who really want to be in that, really want to be chosen, then they're going to put up with a lot of stuff. And you're going to hope that the stuff they have to put up with isn't too damaging for them. Mm. And do you think, though, that, and it's interesting when you say that they're going to put up with a lot of stuff. So then that makes me think, well, whoa, does that include being abused? You know, does that include, does that, does somebody, because old Hollywood, you know, you hear of old old Hollywood stories and yeah. people like Joan Crawford, for example, yes. where it was kind of well known that that she had slept with uh, a lot of people to further her career, yeah. and and you think, well, whoa, and and then when people say, well, that was a choice, and you think, well, really? maybe it wasn't a choice, maybe, maybe it wasn't. It a choice, maybe. And then you've got was... someone like Marilyn Monroe, who's incredibly vulnerable as well, mm. and how she was taken advantage of, that the, the arrangements that she got into sexually were often transactional to further her career. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. That's why yeah. actors often want to go on to produce and write, because they want more power. So, wow. you know, they because being just the talent, you're not actually that powerful. But if you are... So many actors, as they rise through the ranks, they stop just being actors because they want to produce, they want to write, they want to have more power and more control, more say. Mm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I'm thinking about, you know, thinking about acting as being an actor and thinking about, you know, thinking about I, I, I want to write. You know, it's it's this is why I have my podcast series. It's, it's you know it's that doing something that's yours for yourself yeah you know and and yeah yeah exactly this is my voice and I'd like my voice to be heard and I like other voices to be heard and I like people to you, you, you know yeah I completely understand so wow so I mean anything that's alleged against Russell Brand is just another layer of a really complex onion uh, of imbalance and unfairness um, of people trying to make their way in a in a really really competitive field. Yeah, yeah, completely. Mm. I mean, we again we talked earlier about this has been going on Forever. since time immemorial. You know, when I when I think of Russell Brand and the the sixteen year old uh, uh, survivor. I think of alleged. of what she's alleged, yeah. Uh, I think of Mandy Smith and Bill Wyman, you yeah. know, who, uh, I mean, she was 13, I think, when she first started seeing him, 13, and her and her mother would, and her, and her, and he was 40, was he 40? Yeah, we're very much older than her, yeah. Very much older than her, and and it's quite horrifying, but also it's, it's, 
yeah, these layers of, well, your mother is taking you and is blessing this union, you know, taking you to see your boyfriend. But it's kind uh, of like a Munchausen by proxy thing in as much that there's kind of reflected glory if you're, mm. I don't know, if you're Mandy Smith's mother and you're going out with a Rolling Stone. Yeah. You know, they yeah. were part, they parted together, they socialized together as mother and daughter, they were on that circuit. Um, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. It's complicated. And she was 16, and when she married him, was 16 or 17. Mm. It's not it's not ideal. And I saw I saw something where, where it's was talking about, you know, with the age of consent at sixteen, does that mean mm. that you should that sixteen year old girls should be going out with thirty year old blokes? Probably not. And they wanted to kind of bring in a law where they mm. said, Well, that's that's not gonna be allowed. I mean, you're not gonna be able to police this. No. No. We can't we can't police what's happening in with domestic violence. We can't we can't police what's happening with rapes and abductions in dating and red flags and what's, you know, all of that stuff already. You just have to do your best. Yeah. Beg it's crazy. It does beg a belief. And, and, and I think that's to bring us back to our original kind of thing with the, with the original point with the media is that there's such a, there's such a, a well, it does become biased, biased view. And it's and it's who you listen to. It's like, do you do you arm yourself with as much information as possible from as many different sources as possible to have an informed opinion? Yeah. Um, or but do you bias, just? The, well, the biased view is almost endemic and entrenched, and almost mm. part of our DNA. Women are wrong, men are right. Mm. Mm. And uh, if you're a, a single woman and, you, and you're having an affair with a married man, where's where where's the heat going to go? Where's the blame going to be directed? Mm. It's not going to be towards a single woman. It's going to be it is going to be directed towards a single mm. woman, not to the married man. So mm. this imbalance, this imbalance of behaviour, sexuality, we can be sexual, but it's going to come. We're allowed to be sexual now. We're allowed to tell dirty jokes. We're allowed to be stand-up comedians on the circuit and mm. tell blue jokes and talk about menstruation. And I don't think we're still allowed to talk about menopause on the circuit very much. But um, <laughs> so, ah, the, ah. <laughs> but then you're going to get labelled. You're going to get labelled as someone who's kind of, you know, a bit free with the self. It's going to come with with a price tag and opinions. It's damning. Mm. Mm. And so really it is it is trial by media and trial by and also I think as you pointed out there's so many different levels with social media within social media it's tr- everyone can have access to yes. you and uh have their have their say have their you know have their mm-hmm. some their opinion and some really horrible uh accusations or some really horrible comments leveled at someone who is in the is in the public eye so i comment a lot in the national press about megan and harry and i'm very Mm. pro megan and i don't believe that we know what happens within their marriage any better than we know anything that happens in our parents marriage or our next door Mm. neighbor's marriage because it's most things happen you know behind closed doors in secret but i absolutely refuse to punch down 
on a woman that I've never met and don't know very much about. Yeah, exactly. I'm continually trolled by um, people on Twitter that say, oh, how do you know this? How do you know that she's um, she's pro-Harry and she's supporting him in the Invictus Games? Well, she turned up. Like, you know, I rest my case. She just, she turned up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, vitri- the level of vitriol against her is immense. And, um, and I just, I block people and mute them. I don't want them on my line, so I don't want them on my feed. Yeah. I do think, though, that that definitely has been, she's definitely a trial by media and was uh, kind of proven guilty from the start uh, in terms of, well, this person is, uh, for whatever reason, you know, and then we know of lots of reasons, especially with what's come to light recently with the police uh, sending racist messages about Megan and all of the, I, I mean, I, I love Megan and Harry. I do. I, I'm like, like I, I'm like, leave them alone for God's sake. Know. You know, and leave them the alone. The royal family missed a huge opportunity to bring interest to the next generation, to the younger generations. Yeah. There she was, a very, there she is, a very beautiful woman of colour, married yeah. to Harry, who's a bit of a player yeah. and a bit yeah. lighthearted. And it could have been great. Mm. And they blew it. The firm blew it through their mm. through their racism, the fact that she was American. You know, we may share a common language, but they are very different. And Californians are very different. And her PA was supposed to say, oh, but she emails me at four in the morning. That's, you know, a, bre- a breach of boundaries. Because <laughs> they're up. Californians are up at four in the morning and they've already done their yoga and their mm. written their pages and done mm. their time on there. But their she's bike. also... So she she's is. also very driven and very intelligent. And I think that also yeah. is a thing with power. A, a woman who is beautiful and intelligent, yes. well, we can't control her. Yeah. You know, a much, I suppose, uh, like Diana, yeah. not allowed to stand in her power. Um, and, and, and I really agree what you said, uh, earlier about not punching down on other women and I do find this and I do see it and I think wow surely we owe it to ourselves as women to and I'm not just saying oh we'll support every woman in what they're saying but actually arm yourself with knowledge arm yourself with the whole picture and and allow yourself to Allow yourself to see that person as a person rather than just a punching bag. Or a cipher, because we only get a cipher, mm. you know, a, a little bit of them in the media. We don't know the, their whole personality. And it's really it's really crucial for women. If you haven't got anything nice to say, say nothing. But mm. I have uh, tweets that say things like, uh, I demand that you tell me why you're defending it. And I think, like, what is this? You're, you're demanding. And you're another woman. And I just think, oh, I just block. Because life's too short. Yeah, life is too short. But it also makes me think, wow, why are you so angry? Why are you, why do you need blood? Why, why is this? And do you think that this is a British thing as opposed to an American thing? Do you think it's, do you think it's this, well, if anybody's successful and happy, we have to, and I suppose this goes back to, you know, yeah, in a way to brand now. Uh, if anybody's successful and happy, that we have to destroy them, yeah. we have to Be bring them back. 
the media created them and the media has the power then to take anyone down. Yeah. And with um, the two-part documentary that Channel 4 ran a few years ago about the alleged um, sexual misconduct of Michael Jackson, what he was doing with young Mm. boys and having them sleep in his bed and all this. And then the absolute media backlash that Wade and Safechuck, the two young men who were boys when uh, they knew Michael Jackson, what they were hit with in the media. I mean, I worry. Well, we know it affects mental health it can lead to suicidal ideation it can lead to, lead to even worse it's what the power of the media is incredibly potentially incredibly toxic mm, mm, mm. and uh yeah wow <laughs> i'm just thinking what this so really we we are at the mercy of what the media i mean i've said on other on other episodes that i don't really read newspapers and I don't watch the news, but I do get my information from actually from social media, but oh. not so much from uh, I, or, or alternative media. I, yeah. I should say, I should point out. So I'm not living in a bubble of kind of, Oh, happy place. And there's, uh, and you know, Facebook and TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's, but it's, but I try and look at things in a broad way. So I have a, a lot of information Um uh, and then, and then, uh, because I owe it to myself to be informed, and I think that a lot of people, the media, I think generally, lots of people pick up a paper or they they watch the news and they're like, "Well, th- it's the BBC. They must be honest. It's yeah. Channel Four. The they must be honest." Which has got yeah. really pernicious, quite often pernicious agenda. I mean, these are all papers I've commented on. I've commented in the Star, the Mirror, the Mail a lot, um, but I, I won't comment negatively about mm-hmm. people, and especially women. Yeah, yeah. And Sally, I think on that note, I could, I that's a really positive note to end on, actually, because I think we need to shift our perception mm-hmm. with with regards to. Uh, how we view women um, and how we view women, especially in relation to power and to men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not a level playing field. We might fooled ourselves into thinking it is. And what, what Russell Brand reminds us, one of the best things that could come out of this whole thing is to remind us none of this is fair. Mm. None of this is fair. We're not women. Have we're not. We haven't gained the power. We haven't gained uh, the ability to. We haven't even gained it on on fair pay, have we? I mean, no. still the dark ages. Twenty twenty three. Still the dark ages. Yeah, yeah. There's lots. Sally. Of work. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of work to be done. And with that, I would like to thank you, Sally, so much for coming on and talking to me today. It's been a really uh, thought-provoking conversation. And um, if anybody would like to contact you, could you please give your details again? Because if if any if, if anything that we've said here in this uh, in our conversation uh, is something that. Uh, somebody has uh, experienced or has been affected by that people can always contact you because your work is as a a trauma you work with trauma don't you as a trauma trauma therapist yeah yeah so So 
my name is Sally Baker and my email is sally at workingonthebody.com and my website is workingonthebody.com. So all three words, you know, all little words all joined up, workingonthebody.com. .com. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Um, And what I'll do is I will also put, as usual, all your details in uh, the show notes. So people people also have those there. Um, And I'd just like to to thank everyone for listening again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, for listening to the Perception podcast. I'll be back next week and I look forward to speaking to you then. Bye bye.